0: The following message by Pastor Tim is brought to you by Together in Christ. We have a big topic today, doing the attributes of God, uh, continuing on, and today we come to God's sovereignty, that God is sovereign. Uh, Last time we looked at the self-sufficiency of God, that God is self-sufficient, which is very different from us, that he doesn't need anything, doesn't need anybody, yet when we start to think about our life, we need everything (laughs) all the time and God is not like that and and today is similar God is sovereign you are not I am not we will we will see that uh, but when you look at the definition of sovereignty in the in Merriam Webster's dictionary it says sovereignty is supreme power especially over a body politic or freedom from external control autonomy or uh, its the last one a controlling Influence. We, you hear the word sovereignty, it brings up a lot of things, and we'll dig into some of that uh, tonight the best that we can. But I first want to read out of Isaiah, Isaiah 46, verse 8 through 11, is where I want to jump off from and talking about God and sovereignty. It says in Isaiah 46, verse 8 through 11 Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. These really are some strong words that we read here uh, that God is saying. Now, I have heard some strong words in my life. I'm guessing I've said some strong words in my life. But really, we don't have the power to back them up. I mean, we can say things, and do our best, and maybe a lot of times we can back them up, but we know deep down there could be something that comes up that stops me from being able to do exactly what I say or exactly what I say I'm going to do. Sadly, I bought my kids a zip line for Christmas. Not in 2020, no, I bought it in 2019. It's still not up. They remind me every month, Dad, why would you get us a Christmas present we can't use, it's still in the box. When are you gonna put it up? I will put it up soon. I say it all the time. I will put it up soon. And I gotta tell you, soon hasn't come yet. I say that with authority to them. It's gonna happen, I promise. All I gotta do, I gotta cut a couple limbs down. I already got this up over here. I just gotta, I just gotta put it up, it's not a big deal. But yet it seems, seems to be a huge deal because it doesn't happen. And so I'm, ha- I'm guessing that in my sovereignty at my home, when my kids come to me and say it again, when is the zip line gonna come up? And I assure them, very soon, they walk away not encouraged by what they have heard because they know things come up, right? Something else is going to come up. Even if I want to do that, there are still just things that come up that it doesn't happen. It just doesn't get accomplished. Maybe you've experienced that in your life also, to where you have this desire for something to happen, you've set a plan, you've set something in motion, but yet you just find out that something else came up or something stopped you. The reason you have those frustrations is very simple. You are not sovereign. You don't have as much power as you think. We like to think we have a lot of it, but we just simply don't. But yet when God says something like this, like he says in Isaiah 46, verse eight through 11, that he declares the end from the beginning, ancient times, things not yet done. How he says, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purpose. When God says that, you can write it in stone because he means that. And so when we look at God's sovereignty, one of the things that we realize as we look in scripture, first and foremost, is that God rules and reigns over everything. He rules and reigns over everything, I want you to think in your life a time when you have been given authority. I'm assuming everybody in here has been given authority, even those who are younger. There's kids in here right now who are five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. Even in your life as a, as a kid, you've been given some sort of authority. Here is this box of Legos. It is yours. Take care of it. Take care of it. All right? If you lose it, that's on you. Right? You've now been given authority over these Legos. Well, let me ask you, how did that go? All right? How, how did that go when you got the Legos? Do you still have them all? Or maybe your parents see a little trust in you and they say, I'm gonna give you more authority. I'm gonna buy you this game. It costs more. Take care of it. Do you still have all the controllers? Do you know where all the games are? Do you know where everything is at? Okay, that's easy to pick on the kids, but it can go up to us as adults, right? A time in your life when you've been given Authority, And you can, I'm sure, think of times when you handled it well, and it went pretty good. You can probably think of times, though, also when things just seemed to unravel. You didn't know what to do. You were struggling. You knew what you wanted to do, but you just couldn't seem to get it done. You see, sometimes we rise to the occasion, but other times we fall on our face miserably. But as we read scripture, it becomes abundantly clear over and over and over again that God rules and reigns and he does it extremely well and extremely efficiently. I'm gonna go through some verses here and I just want you to listen to them. Psalm 47, verse eight. Psalmist says, God reigns over the nation. God sits on his holy throne. Exodus 15, 18. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Psalm 10:16. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. What a statement. Could you imagine being so puffed up to try to say that statement? I will never in my life meet adversity. <laughs> what? Every day I meet adversity. From the moment I get out of bed and I'm like, why does my knee hurt? That is new. Adversity, right? You just, what is going on? All we seem to know is adversity, but yet God declares, I will not meet adversity. Adversity. Lamentations 519, but you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Psalm 145, 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. Matthew twenty eight eighteen, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given To me, there's many more verses that we could go to, but we see very clearly here that he reigns forever. There's not a period of time for God to where, okay, your time is up now, you gotta move on. That doesn't happen. Thankfully, the way we live, that happens. That happens, thankfully, where we are. Uh, Many of us don't have a ton of authority, but in this country, at least, we have the privilege of voting for people into authority, and thankfully, they have term limits, right? Thankfully, they don't reign forever. They are not supreme forever. They will go away. I would even say that within our own denomination. This year, we vote for president, and it, the way the system works, it ended up coming down to two to where you were like, him, no, him, no. What do I do? Well, thankfully, he's only guaranteed one year, whoever it is, Right? He doesn't reign forever, it's not supreme, whoever it is. But yet with God, we see very clearly, he reigns forever. In fact, he created time. God is outside of time. And he reigns over all things everywhere. There's nothing outside of his dominion. There's nothing outside of his control. He is absolutely sovereign and Lord over it all, over everything. God rules and reigns over all things. We also see in Scripture that oftentimes it talks about God's plan, how God has a plan and how he set his plan in place. Proverbs 16, says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. I was always curious about that in Scripture because I remember hearing, you shouldn't gamble, you shouldn't gamble, you shouldn't gamble. But every time I read the Bible, it seemed like they were gambling. They're casting lots, they're throwing these things and it always turned up what God wanted it to turn up. Why? Well, it's kind of what the scripture's saying here. Even that thing that we would call chance, that thing that we would just call luck, everything is determined by God. He sets even the cast lot to be what he desires it to be and what he has planned for it to be. God has established his plan before everything and before anything. Because God, he even said that in Isaiah 46, In verse 10, right, I mean, I can go back. He says, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. It is saying, I have a plan in place and it absolutely will be accomplished. It's going to happen. There is a plan. And so when we think about God and we think about the things that are happening in this world, we gotta be careful not to say that God could be surprised or that there's some trick that could happen where God's like, ooh, I don't know about this. Or man, I think God is changing his plan now. There's no, there's no upsets that happen in history. No, God has all this sorted out. Nothing is catching him off guard ever, ever. And as I said, not just is the plan in place, but his plan will be accomplished because he says that. We get promised every four years or however often we vote on different people. We get promised for all these good plans. That's what they say. That's what they run on. The roads are gonna be fixed. Uh, The economy is gonna do better. We're gonna shrink the debt. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. All this stuff is always promised. And how often does that work out? Very, very rarely, Very rarely. They speak a good game, but what you find out real quickly is you don't have as much power as you think. This isn't how things work. This isn't how things function. And so yes, we have leaders who have good ideas. We have leaders who have good plans. We have leaders who get some things done. But every leader has seen failure. Every leader has seen things fail. Why? Lack of resources, lack of planning. Death, they die. They just don't control everything that they think they do. But yet God doesn't have to worry about any of this ever. His plan is in place and it will be accomplished. God reigns forever. There is no death for him. There is no lack of resources. There's nobody else that he has to go talk to and say, you know what, Uh, really the appropriate way to do this is by committee. I think this is a good idea. What does the committee think? God doesn't function that way. God has a plan and it's a good plan. It is a perfect plan and it is an accomplished plan and it will be done. And so the fact that God is sovereign as we look at these things and there's other places that we could go, I think there's a couple takeaways from it. Uh, Number one, I think when we think about God being sovereign, it brings fear to our hearts. For many people, it brings fear. And I think this is a, a healthy thing. In Daniel chapter four in verse 35 it says, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Now, when you look at a verse like that, I think sometimes we try to talk that away. When we see a verse like that and we try to counter it with other things. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Don't forget, he also loves us. Yes, I would say yes to that, amen. But this is also a true verse too. And it should put some fear down our spine to think he has nobody who could look at him and say, what have you done? You don't have the right to do that. We don't have the privilege to do that. And so remembering this about God, it it allows us and helps us to remember to follow his laws and to follow his precepts. Why? Because again, he is the sovereign one. He's the sovereign one. I might not like one of his laws. Uh, You could pick one. I guarantee when I say that, one comes to your mind. I wish God wouldn't say this. I wish this wasn't a bad thing. Right, it comes to your mind. Uh, Who are you to tell him that? Whether you like it or not, he's the sovereign one who put that in place. And so that's something that We need to be doing. That's something that we should be obeying as his people and following. And so I think this is a good thing for us to remember about the sovereignty of God because again, it puts fear in the right perspective. Only a fool forgets the power of a sovereign God, right? I mean, it does us well to remember this about him because the fear of the Lord is not a joking matter. Again, yes, he loves us. Yes, he is a good father to us. But also, yes, he is a consuming fire. A consuming fire. And so we need to remember those things. But on the flip side of that, that, that it, it brings out some fear in us that is good and healthy, I think, and right, understanding God's sovereignty correctly, I believe, brings great comfort to our hearts. It brings great joy to our hearts Understanding that God is telling us about himself that he is absolutely perfect in his authority. He's perfect in his authority. I think that's so hard for us to grasp just because we've never seen it. We've we've never understood it. You know, as kids, I think we understand it a little better because as kids, our parents were that perfect authority and we looked at them that way. What they said, we trusted Right, what, we, what they did, we thought was the right thing to do. We, we believe those things. But as we get older, we realize life isn't that smooth and that easy. And there are times that our parents are doing their best to make the best decisions. But even in their best decisions, it falls. It falls short. Right? We experience that. And all of a sudden, as a kid, you're, you're kind of shaken. Wait a second. I thought mom and dad had this figured out. And then you start to realize and then you become parents and you realize we actually have nothing figured out. We're just, we're just on the fly going and we're just glad the house isn't on fire here. That was a good day. But yet your kids think that about you. They know what they're doing. Things are safe. And so it's hard for us because we just haven't seen a perfect authority figure. We haven't seen perfection. I remember I went to school. I can't remember what my teacher told me. My parents, might know the truth. I think he told me, I had a teacher who told me that the reason the lights at stoplights blow in the wind is because they only weigh three pounds. That's what he told me. I'm like, they only weigh three pounds. And I remember telling my dad, they only weigh three pounds. And he said, your teacher's wrong. And I said, there's no way my teacher's wrong. He's a teacher. That's impossible. And he's like, Tim, I'm telling you, your teacher doesn't know what he's talking about. There's no way that thing only weighs three pounds. It would blow constantly in the wind. Dad, you're wrong. You're wrong. My teacher told me that. Why would he lie to me? Right? What was happening in that conversation? I was struggling because my teacher's an authority figure who's teaching me. Why would he tell me something wrong? Why would he do that? And I remember one day, I don't remember how many years it was later, but for some reason, the Minority News put how much one of those things weighed. And I remember my dad bringing it to me. Look at it, Tim, it weighs 1,000 pounds or whatever it was. Look at it, I was right. I could have been in my 20s. I have no idea how old I was there, but he's like, look, see? But, but the point is, again, the whole authority thing, I don't know what perfect authority looks like, and you don't either. But we read about it in scripture, and we're told about it with God, and it's something that should cause us to be awed about God because he's absolutely perfect in his authority in all things. And this brings comfort and peace to our heart, knowing knowing that God has told me that he has a plan and it is a perfect plan. And it's not just a plan and a perfect plan. He tells me and promises me this. Listen, it is being carried out perfectly also. It is happening exactly how I planned it to be all along. And it'll always go exactly how I planned it to be. So listen to him. There's no need to fret because I am in control and it is happening perfectly. And God is the only one. He is the only one able to work out all these things, all these things in the world, because I know that when I say this to some of you and I say, "It's happening perfectly, you instantly start to think, this is not perfect." What about sin? What about all this stuff? You start to think that. I'm going to remind you of a verse here. Are you ready? It's Romans 8:28. where where God says, I work out all things for good for those who love me, all things. That means everything. That means every single bad thing you see happening within these walls and without of these walls. God uses that for good. It's not out of his plan. It's not messing him up. It's not shaking him. He's not having to do what we do as parents and say, I gotta figure out how to do this. I gotta take this wire and this wire and tie it together so the lights come on. It might not be up to code, but it's gonna work at least. God doesn't work that way. He doesn't function that way. He says, I take everything that is happening in your life and for those who trust in me, it's working for good for you. Believe me, I'm a good father. I'm a sovereign God. Trust me. I know it's hard for us to do that, but it's true because he alone is the one who has the power to do this. As we've been saying over and over again, all things are his. They're all at his disposal He's created it all, all decisions that He makes. Every single decision that God makes is right, it is pure, and it is holy. And when we know this and when we hold on to this, we maybe then ask the question well, how does this help me when I face troubles? Well, it's easy because I know that no matter what I'm facing, God is absolutely in control of it. When my life feels so chaotic, when it's so filled with maybe hurt and disappointment and strife, when I go to his word and I'm reminded about God's sovereignty and his plan and his perfection, it makes things make more sense. It gives me peace to know that I feel like this is out of control, I feel like this is horrible, but to know, no, this is a part of God's plan and it's okay. Life is messy, sin hurts. Suffering hurts. I have to believe that when Jesus took those whips, it hurt. I have to believe that when he suffered, it hurt greatly. But you and I and all of us in this room who are Christians would say absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt, that was a part of God's perfect plan. So who are we? Who are we then when we face difficulties to say, God, I don't think this is part of your plan. I think this is a mess up. I think something happened. I I think something needs to be changed here. No, no. And so it brings peace to our hearts knowing that God has a perfect plan and and as he makes decisions, they are pure and they are holy. As a pastor, I think this is one of the most difficult things for Christians. I think it's something that we struggle with. It's something that you hear talked about a lot, but we struggle with this in our life. And I think it's important for us to try to grasp the reality of what it means that God is sovereign and and the scope of it all so that it can comfort us. But this is what comes up, really, when the rubber hits the road in life. When things are hunky-dory, it's easy to say that God is sovereign. When things look good, it's easy to say God is, is sovereign and that things are great. It was easy back in the 70s when you had presidents who would talk about the Bible and tell you to read the Bible. Oh, that's great. That's great, right? God must be in control. This is all working good. But now you have presidents who don't say that. Is God out of control? Is everything out of control? Is God not know what's going on? I gotta say, it seems like that to a lot of Christians. And you have to ask them. So God was sovereign back then. But you think the plan's all messed up now? no. Oh, it might be difficult for us, or we might face a lot of trials. There could easily come a day when us as Christians face way more suffering than we've ever experienced before. Does that mean God's plan still isn't perfect? Absolutely not. It never changes that for a second. And for believers, that should bring peace and comfort when you're in the midst of those trials and in those struggles. Because then you're not saying things like this. Maybe I'm facing this trial because I lack faith. Maybe I'm hurting right now because I did something wrong and God is punishing me. Instead, the way we're looking at it is we're saying, well, maybe I've messed up. Maybe some sin has caused me to be here. Or maybe because of sin in general in life, this stuff happens. And I need to be faithful in the midst of this hurt. That's what I need to do. I need to continue worshiping God in the midst of this difficulty. I need to continue trusting in him and leaning into him and believing that he has a plan and a purpose and believing Romans 8:28, that all things will work for good to those who trust God. and that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean financial freedom. It doesn't mean it means he, you are his. you get to call him father, you are a part of his family. All of this stuff is working towards that, and together with that, and we trust that. Some people are, I think, afraid of the sovereignty of God they They have no desire to learn about it because it gets complicated, and I understand that. You hear questions like, what about free will and all of this, and how does this function? And so because of that, they they wanna go away from the sovereignty of God, and they, they don't wanna touch it. But the fact is, we see in Scripture very clearly, by faith you are saved, but we also see that God has a plan, and he's chosen you before the foundations of the earth. And we say, well, how do we put that together? That's a good question. It's a really good question. But the fact is, is you can't just throw them both out. You can't just throw them both out. It can't be something that we're scared that we're scared of or that we are afraid of. Uh, Something that I found very helpful uh, was in this book that I told you guys about uh, a couple weeks ago called None Else. It's it's really a devotional. It's a a 31 day devotional on the attributes of God. And the writer here in it it talks about this when talking about God's sovereignty with salvation and some different things. And I just thought this was was helpful for me, anyways. It says, at first, this attribute of God's sovereignty might cause you to shrink in self-defense. If God is really this powerful and has this much control, doesn't that just make me a robot with no real choice or freedom? But J.I. Packer writes that God's rational creatures, angelic and human, have free agency. Power of personal decision as to do what they shall do is clear in scripture throughout. In other words, while God is absolutely sovereign over all things, we do have certain abilities and choices. God is sovereign, man is responsible. Unbelievers, to be clear, do not have free moral choice. Before receiving salvation in Christ, all of humanity is dead in sin, unable to even long for God apart from his initiating grace. But when God's grace breaks into the sinner's heart, he or she receives a new heart, one that responds with faith, love, and freedom. God is sovereign, man is responsible. Both hold together in a mysterious harmony. A man's heart deviseth his ways, but the Lord directs his, his steps. See, it, it is something very difficult for us to put together in our mind, and I know that. But so is the Trinity. The fact that there's Father, Son, and Spirit, three and one, we serve one God, not three gods, we serve one God, but yet we worship this Trinity. That's, that's very hard for us to put together in our minds, but yet we don't throw that out because that is an essential thing for our faith. It is essential to us. And the sovereignty of God is the exact same way. We've been going through Ephesians and it's very clear in Ephesians. You've been elected, you've been predestined, you've been chosen, you've been adopted. You can't take chapter one of Ephesians and kick it out because you don't like it and you don't know how it meshes with our free will. You can't do that. You have to take both of them, right? You have to take the fact that the Bible tells us you are dead in sin. What does a dead man do? Nothing. But when God revives that dead man, what happens? By faith they believe. Right? I mean, that's what we see. We see that all over the place. Free will, and we see God's sovereignty. And I liked what he said there, right? God is in control. God does these, but man is responsible. To me, that's helpful. One of the things I've heard being a part of a Southern Baptist church, and this is just a little history lesson to help you maybe with it, is I've heard that Southern Baptists, we don't, we don't talk about this stuff. Sovereignty of God, that's not a Southern Baptist thing. I don't know why you're bringing it into the church. Well, I brought a book with me that is one of the most Southern Baptist books I could ever have. This is one of the most Southern Baptist things ever to exist in mankind for Southern Baptist life. All right? This is James Boyce. He, he created uh, Southern Seminary. He's the Southern Baptist guy. And when you read his systematic theology and you read about him, he wrote something called The Abstract of Principles, And it was something that every single Southern Baptist seminary uh, worker had to sign in order to be at the Southern Baptist College, the seminary, where they were gonna train Southern Baptists. And it's amazing when you read the abstract of principles, what it says, because these guys back then seemed to have got it. They were not scared to talk about election and the sovereignty of God. They were not scared to talk about free will. They were not scared to talk about missions and evangelism and all this sort of stuff because why? They saw it all throughout scripture, all of it. Maybe we can't mesh it all together. Maybe it's hard for us to grasp sometimes, but they saw it. And so in the abstract of principles, he has a section on providence. God from eternity decrees or permits all things to come to pass and perpetually upholds, directs, and governs all creatures, all events, yet so as not in any wise to be the author or approver of sin, nor to destroy the free will and responsibility of intelligent creatures. He goes on to election. Election is God's eternal choice of some persons unto everlasting life, not because of foreseen merit in them, but on his mere mercy in Christ in consequence of which choice they are called justified and glorified. He goes on to talk about regeneration. Regeneration. Regeneration is a change of heart wrought by the Holy Spirit who quicken the dead in trespasses and sins, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the word of God and renewing their whole nature so that they love and practice holiness is a work of God's free and special grace alone. Faith. Saving faith is the belief on God's authority of whatsoever is revealed in his word concerning Christ, accepting and resting upon him alone for justification and eternal life. It is wrought in the heart by the Holy Spirit and it is accompanied by all other saving graces and leads to a life of holiness. It goes on. He talks about justification, sanctification, perseverance, all these different things in here. I only say that to say this. In our past, the Southern Baptists, we were not afraid of these doctrines, but I think we started getting afraid of them And we shouldn't. We should very gladly hold up to the world, even though this makes no sense to them. Listen, God maybe has chosen you for salvation. Well, wait, you're telling me there's no free will? No, I'm saying by faith you believe. There is free will. You're very much responsible. Oh, wait a second, but you said he's chosen. Yes, I did. Well, then how can I also by free will? Yes, I'm saying that too. We hold both of those very, very clearly. And what's amazing, when we start doing that, Here's what becomes amazing. God and his sovereignty is not confused by these things. God and his sovereignty is not confused by things. This is his plan. This is how he has worked it out. And this is how it will forever be until Christ returns and we all get to spend eternity with him in glory. And so let's not be afraid of it. Instead, let's grasp these things and let's praise God for it. Yes, we study them. Yes, we try to understand them better. Yes, we have probably, hopefully, good Christian fellowship debates about them. That is fine. That is perfectly fine. But we can't just throw it out. We can't throw these things out and say, no, I'm not comfortable with God's sovereignty and so let's just shove it over here in the corner. We can't do that because it is all throughout God's word. And it is one of the attributes of God and it's one of the attributes of God that draws men to him because they realize I'm not sovereign. I need to be under the control of the one who is. And thankfully, if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, that is your Lord, the one who is sovereign. Your parents may have failed you. Mine didn't, but I have good parents, but they're not perfect. Pastors might fail you. Teachers might fail you, all these people might fail you, but we have a father who will never fail us because he's sovereign, he reigns over all, he's in control of all things and he has a plan it is perfect and it is being worked out and it's being worked out perfectly. And you're a part of it, it's amazing to think about. Let's brought together, let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you even for the difficult things that are sometimes even controversial, people get upset about them they are good things to talk about and we should and we have good debates. But God, I'm glad that you have a plan. I'm glad that you're sovereign over all things. I'm glad that nothing takes you by surprise. I'm glad that in a world that seems so chaotic, seems so, so many things are hurting, I can read different passages that show me it's still under your control. And God, even though I don't have all the answers and there are even questions that I have and I wonder why is this happening and why is this happening God, in the midst of all that, I guess our prayer as Christians should simply be, Lord, please come soon. Lord, please come soon and establish your kingdom here forever where we will be with you forever and ever and worship you in glory. God, we look forward to that day, but God, until that day, help us to be faithful to the things you've called us to. Help us to be faithful to sharing the gospel with our lost family, our lost friends. Help us to be faithful to obeying your word and the the things that you ask us to do, the the demeanor that you ask us to have, the characteristics that you ask us to have. God, help us to be faithful and to see the fruits of the Spirit in our life. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would work in our life to make evidence of those. Help us to see uh, growth in those. God, we want to follow you. We want to honor you. We recognize you as the God who's self-sufficient. We recognize you as the God who is sovereign, who has a plan And God, as we think about those things, it just helps us to worship you, to worship you and you alone. That it's it's not about us, it's about you, your grandeur, your your awesomeness. God, it's hard even to think of words to to put together, to try to describe you. But God, you allow us to sing to you. You allow us to pray to you. You allow us to have your word, to to read it, to, to teach it, to know it. And so, God, we thank you for those things. God, forgive us of where we fail. Forgive us of those times when we try to act as if we're sovereign. God, help us to repent of those things. Help us to repent of the times where we act so bullish as if we know everything. God, help us to look to you in everything at all times, the one who truly does know all. And God, we thank you that we as believers, those who by faith have trusted in Jesus that we get to call you Father and that you love us. God, we thank you for that privilege. God, as we leave this place here in a moment, help us to honor you with everything we say and everything we do, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You have been listening to a message by Pastor Tim from Together in Christ. This content has been provided to you by Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at mmbconline.org.